The following audio content is a talk given at the Inn, a college ministry of University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, theinnseattle.org. We invite you to join us each Tuesday at 9 p.m. on the corner of 16th and 47th in Seattle's U District. As obsessed as, as my little guys are with the dogs, I'm raising them right. Uh, another thing that they are really fired up about right now is Star Wars. And they are, yeah, they're, they're fired up about it. And, and, and I mean, I get it, right? The whole idea, you know, you've got spaceships, you've got blasters, you've got galaxies and planets. But one of the things that they are most fired up about is just this whole idea of the force, of using of using the force. There'll be times where, where they'll be running around the house and, and, you know, I wish I could say that like Jedis, the thing that they were most concerned about is, is the peace of our household. No, that's not how they want to use the force. You know, they'll be chasing around and one of them will turn around and go, force! And, and that means the other one has to stop and kind of get blocked. And of course, I try to, I try to impress them, you know, the, the, the fob on our, on our Toyota Highlander, I, I can press the little button, it opens the tailgate, and I'm like, guys, guys, my midichlorian count is so high, I can use the force to, uh, to open up the tailgate, you know, but I'm really just using the, the, the fob. And, but I try, to, I try to have my hand go the same speed as the tailgate and, and impress my kids. It, it doesn't work. Carson is just like, hey, Dad, can you fake use the force and open up the back of the car? It doesn't work. Uh, but there is something about this, this, this thing, this, this force that, uh, that can make things happen. Uh, another, another way to think about this, you know, I, I, I haven't, I think in 17 years, I've never shown a clip of one of my favorite movies, but I'm going to tonight. Uh, to illustrate, I think sometimes uh, the way that we can think of the Holy Spirit this is a clip from the movie, uh, the 1980s classic. Some would say it's the greatest movie ever made uh, called Caddyshack. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I, so Ty Webb is the guy that is the, the sage that, that begins to share a little bit about, um, well, he's got a piece of advice for his caddy. Let's take a look at this. I'm gonna give you a little advice. There's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And all you have to do is get in touch with it. Stop thinking. Let things happen and be the ball. Danny? Danny? Sir? Sir? Where's the uh, wedge? Right here, sir. Thank you, Danny. Find your center. Hear nothing. That was kind of incredible, sir. You try it, Danny. Pardon me? Pardon you? Here. You try it. Ah, I don't know. Go ahead. Just relax. Find your center. Picture the shot, Danny. Picture it. Turn off all the sound. Just let it happen. Be the ball. Be the ball, Danny. You're not being the ball, Danny. Well, it's kind of difficult with you talking like okay. that. Okay. I'm not talking. Stop talking. I'm not talking now. 
right in the lumberyard. All right. It's okay. We'll work on it. So, so there's a force in the universe that makes things happen. And of course, Ty's sage advice is you got to empty your mind. You got to see nothing, hear nothing, find your center. That, that this whole idea of the force, of this force in the universe that makes things happen is of course something that you have to do. That the onus is somehow on you to get it right in order for it to work or to be effective. I show this tonight because I do believe that there is a force in the universe that makes things happen, but I believe it's a whole bunch different than what we might see and what my boys believe about Star Wars and even what the sage golfer Ty Webb (laughs) believes about getting in touch with that force uh, and seeing nothing and hearing nothing and being the ball. So we finished tonight a series that we've been looking at over the past couple weeks uh, where we've been looking at this, this whole idea uh, in Christian theology that's simply called the Trinity, this idea that God is three in one. A couple weeks ago, I talked about the God the Father as, as a good uh, creator. Uh, the, the, the first attribute of a good father is one who is creative, and indeed, we have been created in that God's image. Last week, we got to hear Brooke share about Jesus And in using the Apostles' Creed, we were reminded why Jesus is actually a good judge. Though we have such negative connotations when we hear that word, we're reminded about actually we want Jesus to be the judge. It's actually way better uh, that Jesus is the judge than even somebody like me being the judge. Because why? I'm about my kingdom come, not thy kingdom come. And thy kingdom come is better than my kingdom come. It really is. You don't want to live in my kingdom, even though... I think I would kind of want to. Okay, the, so tonight we get to the third person of the Trinity, and that is the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Apostles' Creed, which has been kind of our roadmap on, on Trinitarian theology on these three persons, come to a very basic phrase uh, tonight, and it's simply, uh, it kind of, the Creed kind of uh, gets into the third article, the way it leaned into the first, I believe in the Holy Spirit. All right, there we go. Let's pray. Now, but then it goes on to list basically the things that we are associated with um, that are the work of the Spirit. But I I really want to hone in tonight on on the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What can we know about the Holy Spirit, and why does it matter in our lives? Now, to do that, I want to look at at, uh, two passages of Scripture tonight, starting with what Jesus himself says about the Holy Spirit. This is uh, beginning uh, John chapter 14, beginning at the 14th verse. And it says this, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands. Okay, now it's important that you might know that Jesus is, is starting to let his disciples in, his friends, his inner circle, the guys closest to him, saying, you know, I'm not going to be around for much longer. And he's being a little bit, uh, I don't know, slant, a little bit obtuse in basically saying, hey, I'm going to die. But he's saying, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And so that, that kind of frames what, what he's about to say here. Okay, Um, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you 
and this is key. If you're following along with, you can circle this word in your Bible. Another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The, word, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keep them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. Continues. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, but Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not be with the world? Remember, they're, they're trying to figure this out. What do you mean you're not gonna be with us? Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to my father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. All right. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit and use this to begin our, our conversation around what can we learn? What does the Bible tell us about who this mysterious person, the Holy Spirit, actually is? And so, I'm going to follow a little bit of an outline of just simply asking the who, what, when, where uh, of uh, whys of the Holy Spirit. So when we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, who are we saying we believe in? Okay, in addition to saying, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Who is this? Okay, this word advocate uh, that in the way it's translated here in the NIV is, is the, the Greek word um, parakaletas. Now, that in Greek, uh, kaleo means to be called. And para is this idea of being even. And so the idea is that the advocate is one who is called alongside. In this case, the promise that Jesus gives is that as I, as I leave, there will be one who will be called alongside you, an advocate. Uh, the other idea that is at work here, especially when, when it's, it's translated advocate and within the context that Jesus is talking about, is the whole idea of a lawyer. Somebody who, call, who is called alongside, particularly in times of trouble. You think about the times that you need to go see a lawyer are typically times that maybe aren't the most pleasant of times, Right? Uh, another of, uh, of the commentators that I have a deep respect for translates uh, this, this word parakaletas uh, as, as um, Jesus will send a true friend. A true friend. If part of the promise that we were given here on what this, this Holy Spirit, this advocate will do is bring peace to people uh, who are in trouble. This, this whole idea of a true friend um, goes, goes even a, a, a little bit further. So we do need those friends that meet us in those times of trouble, right? Um, those times where we need help. 
as a college student, I lived in a fraternity here on, on campus at, at UW. And towards the end of our chapter meetings, there was always a time to, to give shout outs, essentially. And, you know, this was a time where you would get anecdotes on kind of the, the true friendship that, that existed in the house. You know, you'd get somebody that would stand up, you know, hey, I want to thank uh, church for taking me to the airport at five in the morning last week. You know, another guy would stand up, hey, I want to thank Andrews for making me a late plate, you know, and all these things, you know, hey, you know, I want to thank uh, Steve for throwing a bomb exchange the other, you know, you know whatever it might be. There were always these shout outs and and, and sometimes they would go on, especially around, I felt like especially around the holidays, they, you know, uh, this would go on forever. And, and one, like the guy who was the most quiet guy in the house towards the end, you know, he'd put his hands up and then he'd just go, you know, I just want to thank everybody in the whole damn house, you know, and, and the place would go crazy. And, and it really was kind of touching, right? You know, that, that, uh, there were these great anecdotes on how these guys, how we would step into each other's lives in those times of need. Well, when we talk about the spirit as a true friend, not only is it, is it stepping in at those times of need where we need to be put at ease, we need that peace and we need comfort, a true friend is also one who will tell you the truth, Right? who will maybe tell you the things about you that nobody else is telling you, and maybe even they are difficult to hear. Do you have friends like that in your life? In, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, there are times in our lives where the Spirit in coming alongside is not just there for comfort, but is there for conviction. Perhaps there are times when there is a degree of sin in our lives. Perhaps there are, are, are behaviors that we're not proud of. Perhaps there are things that we are trying to run from. We're trying to avoid. In those moments that, that we might find ourselves going, you know what, something, something is not right. And maybe it's obvious, there's evidence behind it. Maybe it's a gut feeling that you have. I've come to believe that often it is the advocate. It is the paraclete. It is this true friend that comes and at times brings, brings comfort, but at other times brings conviction like a true friend. Perhaps some of you have heard it said that the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, is, it, we get one that has come to bring comfort to the afflicted, but has come to afflict the comfortable. There's a bit of a dance that happens when that true friend, when that, that one that comes alongside uh, does indeed do that. And so uh, that, that's what the Spirit in part, uh, in part does, is to come alongside, to give peace, but to also tell the truth. Last night, uh, I went with a group, of, a group of guys that I've been meeting with in a missional community, went, went down to... Uh, downtown to the Union Gospel Mission Men's Shelter. And as we were helping to serve dinner there, we had an opportunity to work with guys that are coming out of, a, out of um, addiction. They're actually in the program there. And it's interesting to, to hear some of their anecdotes. On the, the one hand, they are so grateful to be in a program where they are on the road to healing. 
where they are, are beginning to, to recover this sense of, of hope that they can overcome the various addictions that so often have led them there. And at the same time, there is a sense of conviction, a sense of truth that I ended up here because there was, uh, there was a conviction that I couldn't do it on my own. It's really interesting to hear those guys uh, share a little bit about that last night. So if the who is one who comes alongside a true friend and advocate, and the what is, is this range of bringing comfort and bringing uh, conviction, when, when does this happen? Well, in the Bible, we, and even going back to the Old Testament, we see the spirit at work uh, in, in Abraham and Isaac and Sarah and Jacob. We see uh, the, the, spirit, uh, the spirit's influence in, in the prophets. We have Jesus telling us, I will send one. And then we come to uh, this, this big moment in Acts chapter two. Uh, this, is, this is called the day of, of Pentecost. And uh, let, me, let me start to read this. And there might be a section that I, I, I will skip uh, because of time. But the, basically, Jesus has, has died and has rose again and has told the disciples to, to, to hang out for a little while. Well, and, and this is where we pick up the story. Then the day of Pentecost came and they were all together, the disciples and many others in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where all these folks were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that had separated and come to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these, uh, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? In essence, they're going, why are they speaking all these languages? And how is it that each hears them in our native language? All these people, I'm not going to go through all the, the names, they were amazed and perplexed and they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. But then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. I mean, it's only nine in the morning. Now, clearly, Peter has never hung out around the University of Washington on a home Husky football game day. <laughs> Peter didn't do college ministry in the fall. Now, here's what I want you to get about the when, that the Spirit has been active throughout the Bible, and it's clear. But this when at Pentecost is this beautiful moment when what we see, when all these people are hearing, hearing the gospel in a language they can understand. And it's not just the insiders. It's these people from all over, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. They're from all over the place. In essence, what has happened here? This is, this is a beautiful story that says, you know, this gospel is not just for the insiders. 
This is not just for the people who have somehow done enough to earn it. This is the the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, the third person of the Trinity being poured out and available to all people. Now, this is a big deal because it levels the playing field. It levels the playing field. Instead of there, there, there being this idea of, of this kind of spiritual hierarchy, this is a moment where the spirit is being poured into this group of people from all over the place saying, you're in. You belong. It was a moment where for these people that could hear the good news in their own language to the degree that they were wrestling with, am I in Am I okay? Does God love me? It was a moment for them, an experience that said, yes, this is for you. You matter in this. It's not just for the historically religious. It's not just for the people who get it all right. This is for you. This is for you as you are right now. That's what happens at Pentecost. You see, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And as we sit here tonight and get bogged down with the question, am I in? Does God love me? Have I done enough? Is the Holy Spirit with me? The answer is found right here. And the answer is yes, you're in. I really want to encourage you tonight. Quit wondering if the spirit is in you. I'm convinced that if you ended up in this room tonight, the spirit's in you. The spirit is at work in you. Stop wondering. That's really, really good news. Now, why? Why is the spirit poured out. Well, I already told you in one hand, it's to level the playing field. Uh, on the other hand, it is, it is so that all people may know that there is a, that, that, that rescue has happened in Jesus Christ. Rescue is on the way and has in fact happened. That the spirit is for us and for you. One of the images that uh, the In Speaking team uh, we talked about was this thing that Alan Turner called solidified air. Now, what are we talking about? Uh, it's this, this image of this, uh, the, uh, this image that we also get in the New Testament of the aroma of Christ. And it was described as, as this, this image of, of like a pie that's, that's being baked that you can smell. Perhaps when you came in the inn tonight, you could smell those tacos. And it, it kinda, it, it makes you wanna come in. Well, here's the thing about, about this, this, this aroma, right? This, this thing that kinda gets your attention, that's undeniable, that draws you in, is that if, if we're gonna have tacos here, anybody who comes in the door is gonna have the opportunity to smell that. 
There's no way for us to kind of have that aroma and say, you know what? We only want the special people to be able to smell this. You see, the, the Holy Spirit is, is the thing that to, to the degree that anybody says, what is this? Who is this God? Who is Jesus? That's what the Holy Spirit does. It makes possible, the Holy Spirit makes possible the opportunity to know who God is for you and for those around you. It draws us in and all have the opportunity to smell it. So what does all this mean? What do we do with this? It means that you belong. When we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, it means that you belong. It means you have an advocate. It means you have an encourager. It means you have a true friend. It means that you have one that has come alongside you and is in fact in you. To the degree that we experience loneliness in the culture that we live in where we can be around tons of people, we can have thousands of friends on social media and yet still find ourselves isolated and feeling lonely. You belong. The Spirit is dying for you to know the fellowship of God and God's grace that is with you. The Spirit says you belong. When we say I believe in the Holy Spirit, it also means that you have been given gifts. You've been given gifts in the form, and and the gifts you've been given are primarily, I think, especially when I look at it, a very talented, a very smart group of people You have been given gifts that are talents. And when you have been given gifts that are talent and interests and skills, okay, and keep in mind, they're not rewards. A lot of these things, yes, you are working to to hone that, to, to grow in your gifts and your talents and all that. But these gifts that the Spirit gives are not rewards. They truly are gifts. And of course, gifts in, in that manner are intended to be used. And in fact, the way that you grow in those talents is in fact to use them. And so I return to that former point that to the degree that you may find yourself in here tonight going, you know what? I don't have anything to offer. I can't do ministry. I can't do my major. I have no gifts. I'm here to say, yes, you do. And what I want to invite you to tonight, especially if you are in a season where you're questioning if you have those or what they are, the way that you find out is to take a risk to go try something, put something into play. And you know what? If you fail, the Spirit's still alongside you. There's nothing you can do to have the Spirit taken away from you, still with you, okay? And if you succeed, the Spirit rejoices with you. If you're wondering what are your gifts and talents, go and try something and fear not failure. 
That's the way that we can participate with the Spirit, the spirit and grow into more of who this, the Spirit is. And finally this. Uh, I want to give you one more image about who the Spirit is and what the Spirit does. Um, Lexi and Maria, come up here real quick. Okay, hold, hold, this, hold this up. So what the Spirit does ultimately is this. The Spirit in part is mysterious because the Spirit is, has one mission. And that mission is this. And the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is most notably going to look something like this. And I know I'm giving myself too much credit here, but think of me as the Spirit for a second, okay? The Spirit, hold this up even a little bit higher, does this. Okay? Thank you. Thanks, ladies. Hey, can, can we thank Lexi and Maria for their incredible effort there? The Spirit points to Jesus. And to the degree that you are comforted when you need comfort, you are being pointed to Jesus. To the degree that you, that you feel a sense of, of conviction in, in perhaps times of confusion, or dare I say, even times of, of, of sin, that's the Spirit pointing you to Jesus. We're being pointed to Jesus. Why? Because the Spirit then animates us to do what? To point people to Jesus. It animates us to be a witness. And, and what I want to tell you is that I know in Pentecost that there's this, this wonderful declaration of these people spoke in tongues. And, and we hear in other parts of the Bible of, of these, these kind of ecstatic and exceptional gifts. But most of the time, the way that we point to Jesus is not in a very uh, dramatic and loud fashion. It's actually pointing to Jesus is in a way more subtle faction, subtle way. It's putting our gifts and talents into play and pointing people to Jesus. That's what this force in the universe that makes things happen does. And it's not about emptying your mind, seeing nothing, hearing nothing, it's about sensitizing ourselves to that. It's about taking a risk and trusting that the spirit is at work even in us.